Welcome to Win The Day. I'm your host, James Whitaker, author and producer of Think and Grow Rich The Legacy. And in this show, I share the tools and strategies used by the world's best performers to help you transform your own life. Are you fired up? I am. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to episode 11 of Win The Day. And today's episode is the second in our two-part series on how to become a financial winner. The quote for today's episode comes from Norman Vincent Peale and says, Empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. Empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. What a quote. And if you haven't listened to episode 10, I strongly recommend that you go back and listen to episode 10 because this episode is going to build on everything that we spoke about in that. So if you already heard episode 10, you might recall that we spoke about what your definition of wealth is. We spoke about what lifestyle you want to live. And we spoke about what you need to do to start living that lifestyle. We also spoke about the difference between good debt and bad debt and why it's so important to pay bad debt off. We also spoke about what you can do to prioritize paying off bad debt so you can get in the clear and become a financial winner as quickly as possible. We also went through the first four tips of how to become a financial winner. So what we're going to do in this episode, we're going to build on those four tips and go through another eight strategies that you can apply in your life right now to achieve financial freedom. And before we get started, I'm actually giving away two free signed copies of my book, Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. So wherever you are in the world, I'm going to send two books out to two lucky people. All you need to do is email me with what your definition of wealth is. So just email info at jameswit.com with what your definition of wealth is. And the two best responses will receive a signed copy of Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy in the mail. All right, let's get into the final eight strategies that you can apply right now to become a financial winner. Number five, make it a habit. Too many people ignore the benefit of good money management because they believe they aren't earning enough right now. I'll do it when I get my next pay rise, they say, only they never get around to it. Regardless of how much you're currently earning, get into the habit of good financial decisions. And if you struggle with change technology, well, it's here to help. There are services out there nowadays that make the process automatic. So they're basically making that habit for you. In episode 10, we spoke about apps like Acorns that enable you to invest a portion of your everyday expenses into an investment account. But here are two other simple options that you can apply right now. First one, you can speak to your employer about having a portion of your pay go to a different account. Ideally, that account is one that you don't have the ability to withdraw from or that you can't spend on everyday expenses. And once that account reaches a significant amount, you can transfer that and invest it into an index fund that enables you to get even more growth. So that's the first part. Speak with your employer about having a portion go to a different account. Or if you're unable to do that, speak to your bank about setting up an auto debit that coincides with when you receive your salary. 
This process would transfer a portion of your pay, for example, 20%, whatever you think is manageable, to a separate account that you don't have access to uh, on a daily basis for everyday expenses or to withdraw from an ATM. And like with the earlier example, that money can then be invested into an index fund that you can watch grow over time. And generally, when we're talking about what order that you should use when you start to receive money, it should follow this order. Number one, investment. That's the first thing that you should do with the money you receive, because if you don't make it a priority, you may never get around to it. Number two, your essential fixed expenses. Number three, your essential variable expenses. Number four, contingencies. And number five, discretionary expenses. So that section there, number five, whatever money that you have left over, you can allocate that to discretionary expenses to spend on whatever you want. So remember to get into good habits as early as you can. Number six, put your money to work. Due to fear about losing all their money in the stock market, most people opt to leave their money in a savings account in the bank. However, for most people, this is one of the worst things that you can do. Let's think about a few countries. We'll compare their interest rates with their current inflation rate. So let's look at Australia. Currently, the interest rate in Australia is 1%, but the inflation rate is 1.3%. In Japan, they've actually got a negative interest rate and inflation is 0.7%. And in the US, the, the interest rate is 2.5%, but inflation is 1.6%. We've got a few more examples in the blog post of this episode. So there's a link to the blog post in the show notes. So go and check that out to see more examples of your country, the interest rate and inflation. Because what you can see in many cases, inflation is actually higher than the interest. So you're actually losing money by keeping it stored in the bank in a savings account. Financial winners invest their money wisely. An easy way to get started is to invest in something like an index fund, which provides low fees, diversification, and a decent annual return. Just remember, you want to reinvest all dividends and stick with it over the long term so you can start to see some really great returns over time. Now, the stock market does have one or two volatile years every decade, but historically has returned around 9% per year. You can also use a strategy called dollar cost averaging, which is actually used to smooth out any volatility in the share market. The idea is that you continue to buy however many X number of shares, however many shares that you want to buy each month, no matter what. So when the market is performing strongly, your portfolio is performing strongly. But when the market is having a downturn, you're actually able to buy units, shares in a company at a cheaper price. This strategy protects against the futile task of timing the market that so many people try to do. And over the long term, you will have a lot more money working for you than you would have otherwise. Let's think about if you had have invested 10 years ago, so between the period of 2009 and 2019 in the NASDAQ 100 index fund. You would of course experience the usual volatility and tech stocks have a lot more volatility than most, but they've enjoyed a strong annual average return over that time. So the best one year return was 55%, that's a huge year. But the worst one year return was negative 42%, and that of course is a horrible year. As we look at the five-year return and the 10-year return, we can start to see this volatility smooth out. 
the five-year return was 15.4% and the 10-year return was almost 19%. So if you had have been invested in that NASDAQ for 10 years, you would have averaged 18.6% per year on your money. Now, if you're in Australia watching this on YouTube or listening to the podcast, your money might be in the All Lords Accumulation Index. For that same period, the average annual return would be about 10%, which is still quite good, assuming again that all dividends are reinvested. Of course, performance will vary based on the fund that you choose to invest in and what time you decide to invest. But remember that investing progressively over the long term smooths out volatility and quality index funds will significantly outperform the interest the bank will pay you on a savings account. For most people, keeping your money stuck in a savings account is far from ideal. But just remember that obtaining professional advice for your unique situation is extremely important because it can vary depending on your risk profile, your goals, and your unique circumstances. But we're going to touch on that more later. Number seven, spend money on items that appreciate in value. Financial winners build a portfolio of quality assets that appreciate in value. In contrast, financial losers spend all their money and then some on items like jet skis and new cars that depreciate in value. Let's use a practical example. So let's go back to 2009 and let's think about Jenna, whose after-tax salary was $50,000 a year, and she decided to set up an auto debit for 20% of her pay every fortnight. So every two weeks, which basically would tally up to $10,000 a year. Like we spoke about earlier, that would go to a new account, that, so a zero balance, and she did not have access to that account for everyday expenses. Jenna's skills increased over that time and so did her salary, but she thought, you know what, I'm just going to stick to that $10,000 a year investment to see what happens. Those funds were then invested into an index fund that returned 9% per year. Prior to tax and inflation, let's have a look at what Jenna's account would be worth over time. So remember she started in 2009, in 2019, that would be worth $152,000. 10 years after that, it would be worth more than half a million dollars. 10 years after that, in 2039, that would be worth more than $1.3 million. And 10 years after that, in 2049, it would be worth almost $3.5 million. Remember, this is just from 20% of her take-home pay from her salary 10 years ago. Imagine if Jenna held that commitment of investing 20% of her after-tax income as her salary increased. Number eight, harness the power of compound interest. Albert Einstein once said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it, and he who doesn't pays it. So compound interest is the key to understanding how small sums add up, leading to enormous gains for financial winners and enormous, enormous losses for financial losers. So let's think again about Jenna in the last example. What if she had continued that investment and not actually taken it out at one of those periods? That would have multiplied so much quicker because she, she would have harnessed the power of compound interest. So remember we spoke about her final term in 2049 was $3.4 million. Well, if she had have left that for another 10 years, that would be worth more than $8 million. And if she had have left it for another 10 years after that, it would be worth $19.5 million. 
That's the power of compounding. Financial losers spend all their pay and often borrow even more money on things like credit cards for items that depreciate, things like travel, clothing, and new cars. Let's think about now an example of how compound interest can work against you. So let's think about a friend of Jenna's, Luke. So in 2009, about the same time when Jenna started her investment, Luke decided to borrow $20,000 for a European holiday and to buy some new clothes. Luke made these purchases on a credit card because he went and met with a bank and of course he trusted the bank and they said that his financial history was good. The interest on the credit card that they gave Luke was 20%. So a couple of months later, Luke returned from his holiday and noticed that each bank statement said he only needed to pay 2% off that balance, which equates to $200 a month, which he did diligently. So happy days. Luke then met with Jenna and Jenna informed him, very, very financially responsible Jenna, informed him that spending money on credit cards can actually be very, very damaging. So Luke decided to cut up that credit card and never used it again. However, the bank statements kept coming in the mail. And eventually after nine years, Luke was finally free of his credit card debt. But in that time, in that nine year period, he had paid more than $23,000 in interest alone. And that taught Luke a very valuable lesson. Luke realized that banks know compound interest better than anyone and that is why they lend money indiscriminately. Luke learned the hard way that compound interest on debt was the banker's greatest invention to capture and enslave a productive society, as Albert Einstein said. So that's number eight, harness the power of compound interest. Number nine, don't put all your eggs in one basket. I went and got a haircut recently and the lovely hairdresser Michelle was telling me about how her life was going to change. She was approached by a friend of a friend who told her about an amazing opportunity in Las Vegas. They were going to pool their money, they were going to borrow some more money from the bank and they were going to invest in this property that had guaranteed returns of 15% per year. Michelle was young and inexperienced with financial planning and clearly too trusting of this acquaintance. Now, alarm bells should ring if anyone comes to you out of the blue with an opportunity that boasts guaranteed returns, especially high ones. As the adage says, if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. And previously, we have spoken about investing in an index fund. For the average investor, this is a reliable strategy because it provides good exposure to the market at a low cost. You can sell all or part of, those of that investment at any time, and it's regulated by the relevant authority in each country, so the SEC in America or ASIC in Australia. Now, if one company on the index fails, you're still protected by the strength of the other companies because in an index fund, remember, you are invested in a pool, a parcel of many companies. On the other hand, if you invested all your money in a single company, you might wake up one day to find out that that company has gone under and you have actually lost all of your money. A parcel of many companies has much smoother returns and less risk than one single company. Now, for most people, whether you're in America or Australia or anywhere else in the world, the big investment goal is to buy your own home. Now, a benefit of buying your own home is the forced saving commitment as you rush to pay off that loan as quick as possible. However, if you need to access funds quickly, you can't just sell the kitchen. So 
that's why it's that's the difference between an index fund where you can easily sell all or part of those shares quickly rather than a house where you've got to worry about putting it on the market and everything else that entails. Now, if you've got a background in building or in property, buying a home can be quite lucrative for you. But for the average person, starting off with an index fund is often the better option. Now, if you do buy property, remember that most of the value is in the land, which should dissuade you from buying apartments off the plan. Like we've seen in Sydney, there was an apartment community called Mascot Towers in Sydney that found out they've got cracks and all sorts of damage to this property from a fairly new building. Now, the tenants, the people who have bought those apartments are up for millions of dollars in repairs just to restore that building. And you think anyone is going to want to come and take that property, that apartment off their hands? I don't think so. So be very, very careful about buying property, especially apartments off the plan. And for speculative investments, we've obviously seen the rise and the hype of cryptocurrency. So for any of those speculative investments, only invest money that you're willing to lose. Number 10, the best investment is knowledge. I love the Zig Ziglar quote, rich people have small TVs and big libraries and poor people have small libraries and big TVs. The absolute best investment that you can make is yourself. A commitment to your ongoing education will help you not only identify opportunities, but recognize danger as well. For example, if 2008, when the global financial crisis hit and the stock market crashed, if you had have paid attention to what the doomsday news stories were saying and you had have sold your index fund, you might have felt satisfied thinking that you averted disaster in the short term. However, if you had have invested in yourself and your own education, you would have realized that the stock market is driven in large part by greed and fear. And all you did at that time was crystallize a loss. After all, the index fund was invested in real companies who have been through and survived these downturns before. So as a result of selling, you actually missed the growth that occurred afterwards, which likely would have far surpassed the point from where you sold. So remember that the right book or the right podcast could actually be worth $1 million to you, but too many people would rather sit there and watch television. So remember, the absolute best investment that you can make is in yourself. Number 11, communicate with your partner. We all know that approximately 50% of marriages end in divorce, and if you've ever been involved in a divorce or witnessed one firsthand, you know it's one of those things that you want to avoid. But financial issues, which in most cases can be alleviated through communication and planning, is the leading cause of relationship stress and marriage breakdown. I actually wanted to share two quick statistics with you. So the first one, 86% of the marriages that lasted less than five years actually started in debt. 86% of the marriages that lasted less than five years started in debt. And 94% of people who believe they have a great marriage discuss their financial goals with their spouse. Now that figure is more than double the amount of those people who say their marriage is either okay or in crisis. So that should help illustrate the importance of communication and planning. You need to schedule time to regularly check in with your partner to ask them what their goals are and also share your own goals. It might feel like an awkward conversation at the start, but I promise you it's going to save you a lot of heartache and tens of thousands of dollars in the process. So that's number 11, communicate with your partner. Now the last one, number 12, seek professional advice. 
This is an extremely important one, and I strongly urge you to seek professional advice. So meeting with a financial planner, a qualified expert financial planner who can take the time to go into your investment goals, your risk profile, and prepare an investment strategy for your unique circumstances. What's the best way to find a good financial planner? One of the first things that you could do is ask around, ask your friends who have got their own financial planner, ask the ones who have had a good experience. Would they recommend their financial planner? Why, why not? Remember, you need to ask these questions that's going to enable them to delve into why they actually would recommend them as a good financial planner. You could also ask a professional, if you use another professional, such as a solicitor, a mortgage broker, or accountant, ask them for a referral to a quality financial planner. And just remember to ask them why that planner would be a good fit for your unique circumstances. You can also look up the relevant industry association in your country. So in Australia, it's the FPA. Find someone who has the necessary qualifications, such as being a certified financial planner, a CFP, while they are also a member of that relevant industry association. And finally, find a financial planning that charges on a fee-for-service model. When someone charges on a fee-for-service model, it means they're charging you based on complexity rather than as a percentage of the money that you are going to invest with them. And once you've done all of those things, create a list of three or four financial planners or companies who you feel would be a good fit for you or your family, and then take an initial consultation with all of them. Find the one who takes the time to understand you. One of the best ways to judge the merits of a prospective financial planner for you is by the questions that they ask and how attentive they are in listening to the responses they, uh, that you provide. So that's number 12, seek professional advice. So that concludes our two-part series on how to become a financial winner. Remember that you can go and get a, down, a free copy of Thinking Grow Rich, The Legacy. I'm giving two copies away. So email me, info at jameswitt.com with what your definition of wealth is. And just a reminder that you can join my online Win the Day VIP community. Just go to my website, jameswitt.com and enter your email address. You will be able to get a free download from Think and Grow Rich, The Legacy. You'll be able to access episodes of Win the Day. As soon as they are released, you'll be able to join my exclusive Win the Day Facebook community and get a lot more goodies as well. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love it if you could share the episode with friends or give it a five-star rating or hit subscribe. So I hope you've enjoyed this two-part series. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.